You are listening to The Arrived Podcast, episode number six. Hey, gents, this is Bethany Reed Peterson of Atelier Reed, and you are listening to Arrived, the podcast dedicated to helping single guys bring their A game home. In the show, we're going to deep dive and get real on how you guys can better host your mates, impress your dates, and crush your goals, all by making simple changes to your space and your habits. So if you want to come home knowing you've arrived, join me. Are you ready, gents? Let's do this. Hey guys, did you enjoy last episode with Excel Young? I loved it. I love Excel. She has got such brilliant ideas. She's so cool and her stuff is so unique. So definitely go check that out. Before we get started, I have to apologize because I am battling a cold at the moment. My voice is a little bit off key today, but we're still going to run the episode and it's going to be great. Are you ready to start your upholstery engines, guys? This is your unofficial upholstery masterclass part two. In the previous episode, I chatted extensively with London-based upholsterer XL Young about how breathing new life into an heirloom or a found piece of furniture in your home can actually transform your space into a highly personalized one, as well as provide a fun, collaborative experience working with a skilled artisan on quite literally a bespoke piece that just cannot be bought anywhere else. It cannot be bought off the shelf and no one is going to have it. And I think that's pretty cool. So often I get the question, how do I source upholstery fabric? What should I be looking for when I'm looking for fabric? So today we're going to go into some more specifics on how to actually go about sourcing that upholstery fabric. My top tips, in fact. Now, there are a few considerations that I want you guys to know before jumping headlong in here. Because a word of warning, getting your fabric wrong can really make or break the piece. It can make or break your enjoyment of it. And unfortunately, it can make or break your wallet if you are not thoughtful, methodical, and trusting of your upholsterer. As ever, I have a quick cheat sheet of my top eight tips for you guys. I know you're probably listening to this on the tube or even the treadmill, so no need to take notes here. You can download your cheat sheet and my full resource list at atelierreadcom slash upholstery. Before we jump in, I should clarify, in case of any confusion here on, on verbiage, when I say the word upholstery, what I'm referring to here isn't simply the fabric or the textile that's used to recover um, the, the cushions um, uh, or your piece more generally. It is also, um, when we say upholstery, it, it's really uh, all-encompassing. It's holistic. It also means the padding, the webbing, the springs, you know, the guts or the innards, if you will, of whatever piece you are working with. So if your piece is in good nick, you may be able to get by with what's called a simple recover, which is pretty much like it says on the tin. That simply means replacing the fabric with little to no restoration um, of the padding or the webbing. So while I say upholster or upholstery, just know that you might not always need to strip your piece back to the frame if all you need is a simple recover. With that out of the way, let's get rolling, gents. Tip number one, consider how and where the piece will be used. Perhaps the most important factor in deciding how to reupholster that piece is its location and its occasion. Are you 
For example, recovering a decorative heirloom chair that's been passed down through your family and the generations, and it's going to just sit in the corner of your dining room, but only be pulled up in, you know, the occasional instance where you have an unexpected guest. Or are you recovering a a tufted bench that will sit at the end of your bed and you're really only going to use that, you know, to put on your socks or maybe read the paper in on occasion? So in this instance, you can afford to economize a bit on the inner upholstery materials. A chair that gets sat in rarely does not need to be as comfortable and does not have to have the same comfortable, luxurious padding in it as a chair that you want to use every day to read in, for example, and build better habits in. So I would say in this instance, instead splurge on that statement or delicate fabric that maybe you love, such as silk or Tibetan wool, mohair, suede, or hair on hide. Anything that's super beautiful, but maybe you would not be interacting with it every day. But from a visual perspective, it gets you a ton of value because you look at that piece every day and you think it's absolutely gorgeous. Doesn't mean you want to sit in it every day, but that's not the point of an occasional piece such as that. Now, if you have an ultra comfy sofa that you know you've been just kind of carrying with you since let's say the college days and it needs a lot of love and a lot of TLC, but you just cannot find anything more comfortable than that sofa, then you will want to make sure that the upholstery materials that you're specifying here, your upholsterer is is using here are going to be up to the task of hosting your friends for, let's say, some crazy World Cup final parties, right? So work with your upholsterer again to source the padding and the webbing, but how do we know which fabrics would be best to use in in like this kind of arena, so to speak? So my top tip number two is to make sure that the materials are fit for purpose, that your fabric is fit for purpose here. And I'm talking two things, bolt width, and rub count. Firstly, fabric that is between 54 to 60 inches or 137 to 152 centimeters for my European listeners out there. That's the width of the bolt of fabric and that means the roll that the fabric comes on. So 54 to 60 inches or 137 to 152 centimeters wide. Now, Upholstery fabrics are wider than fashion textiles because they need to cover wider expanses like seats and back cushions. So all that's pretty straightforward and you can you can probably see why now. But here's where it gets really nerdy, guys. Has the fabric passed what's called a textile abrasion test? There are a couple of different industry standard methods used here, but in essence, this involves um, a, a machine with either sandpaper or like a rough, coarse wool rubbing a sample of fabric either back and forth or in a circular or a figure eight pattern until that fabric starts to show signs of wear, abrasion, or any type of distress. Most fabrics that are fit for residential application should stand up to normal traffic. And when I say normal traffic, what I mean is something that's going to be used every day, but maybe your dogs aren't, you know, scratching their claws on it every single day, for example. In the United States, textiles need to pass what's called a Wiesenbeck test of 10,000 double rubs for light application. So again, think of that piece that's going to be interacted with rarely, talking that dining room chair that sits and maybe gets used twice a year, and 15,000 double rubs for, let's say, hangover Saturdays watching reruns of Top Gear and Chips. Does anyone watch Chips anymore? I used to love that show as a kid. I guess I'm really 
guess I'm aging myself here. But so anyway, if it's going to be like a high traffic area, like your living room sofa, that's where you want to make sure those double rub counts are really high. Now, if you live in the UK, there's something called a Martindale scale, and that ranges from 10,000 rubs for occasional furniture to 25,000 rubs for everyday or heavy use. And again, that's where I'm talking about inviting the guys over for a party. So this brings me to top tip number three. Choose a high-performance fabric for high-traffic indoor, outdoor, or pet-friendly areas. So if the piece that you are reupholstering is a favorite of your pet or your friend's pet who comes over, or it resides in a space where you entertain quite frequently and spills might be, you know, commonplace, try to choose a fabric that's called high-performance. These fabrics are so-called because they are engineered to droplet spills, to resist staining, sun fading, and even hold up to tiny pet paws and claws, within reason, of course. Now, textile technology has come a long way in recent years, and it seems most textile suppliers and mills these days have some option that's high performance, and you wouldn't know to feel it anymore. It used to be that you could get a high performance fabric and it felt scratchy, it felt rough, but that's really not the case because there's been so much technology. Sumbrella, which is one of the pioneers in high performance fabrics, penetrated the indoor textile market because designers have really started to use these fabrics so interchangeably between indoor and outdoor applications. Kravit, who is another supplier of of fabric, makes their line of Krypton fabrics, and that's K-R-Y-P-T-O-N. And I should mention that as ever, I will put all of these resources in the show notes for you. And Schumacher has gone and done the pretty much impossible by creating a line of high-performance velvets and silks, which really are impervious to most stains. And they really do stand up to things like red wine, large dogs, and the like. Now, of course, you want to make sure that your blotting stains up right away. But like I said, guys, uh, stain-resistant technology, high-performance fabrics have really come a long way. So I would always recommend looking for a high-performance fabric in that busy area. Another sort of addendum to this tip that I want to say here is when you're thinking of high-performance fabrics, don't forget about leather. I mean, leather is pretty much the most fantastic high-performance choice there is when it comes to textiles and reupholstery. Leather is beautiful. It's supple. It's masculine. It patinas with elegance over time. And it really is a gorgeous option for pet-friendly spaces because it is wipeable and hard-wearing, depending upon the leather that you choose, right? So now, of course, there are so many considerations with leather so many numerous options, and I could do, honestly, a whole other masterclass just on the complexity of the different options and quality standards for leather out there. One of the other options that I love for bachelor pads is anything that's upholstered in buffalo leather. This has a beautiful, natural, little bit of larger textural graining to it. It's also tougher. It is a little bit more rugged than leather from cattle, for example, but it's still patinas just beautifully and really is right at home, like I said, in any more masculine space. Top tip number four, consider the shape of the piece as well as the existing fabric. So for example, in my living room, I bought a large sectional sofa that has plain velvet running across. Now I have not 
reupholstered that sofa. But if I ever did need to, what I would need to make sure that I was considering was the existing fabric because any fabric that I would choose after that would have to be what's called railroaded. Now, when we talk about railroading a fabric, it means that that fabric is positioned so that it is lengthwise, it will be upholstered lengthwise instead of widthwise on that piece. And that's because this, this sofa cushion that I have is something like Oh, I think it's 80 inches. It's it's much longer than the bolt itself. So in order to keep um, any seams from running through that seat cushion, that very long one-piece seat cushion, the uh, upholsterer has actually what's done what's called railroading the fabric so that there are no seams. So for example, if I was to reupholster a piece like my sectional, I would have to be very careful about the fabric that I chose because anything that I that could not effectively be railroaded would have to have seams running down the center of those cushions. And that kind of detracts again from the whole experience. So if you have a very large piece or you have a piece of furniture that has a long cushion that is going to be, I'd say, anything over 40 inches, 42 inches wide, I would always consider looking for fabrics that would be either a solid, like a beautiful velvet, or um, like a gorgeous linen, and, and going a little bit simpler on those pieces simply because your print, the direction of your print or your pattern might be completely switched around and might look funny. If your only option was to either railroad your fabric on that larger piece, or if you had to run seams down the middle of those sofa cushions. And I appreciate this sounds a little bit abstract to explain on the podcast, but I will put an image of my sofa in the show notes and I'll and that will help kind of explain to you what I'm talking about, why you would need to have a longer stretch of railroaded fabric. The same applies if you'd like to apply fabric to the back of a long, an elongated piece, for example. So think about that as well. Look at what's already existing on that piece and and try to have that foresight of why was that fabric chosen. It might be that there was a smaller pattern that's on that piece because you could switch that pattern around and you wouldn't notice it. So think about those considerations when you are out fabric shopping. Top tip number five, when you are sourcing your upholstery fabric, especially if you are sourcing your upholstery fabric online, as everyone's shopping online these days, I get it. I do it myself. Always get a sample of that fabric. In the industry, it's what's either called a swatch or a memo, especially in the case of a print or a large print, a stripe, etc. Always get the largest memo, swatch, or sample possible. I get it, guys. You just want this done, right? Like we just want it done. We don't want to think about ordering samples and memos. But here's the thing. This is where a lot of things can fall apart. If you do not get a sample of your fabric and let it sit in your space in the different lights, let it sit alongside the other pieces that that finished piece will will correspond with, you're really doing yourself a disservice. And Let's face it, upholstery is a wonderful experience, but it's not an, an entirely inexpensive experience. So really do yourself that favor and make sure that you go to that length to bring a sample into your space. See if its tones change with the light. Give it a few days in your space, maybe even a week before you make a decision on that fabric. 
I can't tell you how often clients have told me that they bought a sofa or a chair from an online retailer without first getting a swatch. They just chose the swatch based upon what they saw on their computer screen. And then they got that sofa or that piece delivered and they found out that the fabric is rough, that it's scratchy, or, you know, it just isn't nearly the color that they thought was on their pixelated computer monitor. Even if the sample that you get from the vendor is is quite small, it's still better than nothing. My top tip number six, always work with a vetted upholsterer and find an upholsterer that you can trust, okay? This is so important. Like Excel was saying about how she works with clients and she gets to know their lifestyle, a good upholsterer will ask questions about your lifestyle and give suggestions for what they think will and will not work for the use of that piece. What I like to say is find that upholsterer that you feel like you have a good rapport with. And one of the reasons that I say it's so important to trust your upholsterer is A, you're bringing potentially an heirloom piece to them that cannot be replaced. You are purchasing and providing them with fabric that if it's the second that fabric is cut into, cannot be returned. And in a lot of instances, a lot of vendors do not allow returns anyway. And this is why I always, always, always consult my upholsterer before ordering any fabric for clients and why you should too. Always make sure that you are sending your upholsterer the required information, such as how wide is that fabric? What's the repeat on the pattern or the print if there is a pattern? And the repeat means how, uh, what intervals does that repeat at? How many inches does that, does that pattern repeat vertically and horizontally? These are things that your upholsterer is really going to need to know from you to accurately dictate the meterage or the yardage that's going to be required. And the better communication that you can have with your upholsterer on the front end, as in getting them specification sheets or just this information about that fabric is really going to cultivate a better uh, relationship with them and a better process for you. There will be a lot fewer surprises. And this is why Excel mentioned that a good upholsterer will be found on a recommendation or a referral because there really is a bit of a relationship that you develop with that person because it is a collaboration. And on the on the subject of of prints and patterns, do know that that prints and patterns, especially large scale prints and patterns, they are gorgeous on pieces on on you know like a reading chair or a sofa. They are absolutely beautiful on a headboard. But they are definitely going to be more of an investment because more fabric is wasted in the process of getting that pattern to line up. So it's it's the same concept as buying a highly tailored and usually more expensive pattern dress shirt. If the pattern matches up easily and naturally at the seams, you can safely sort of assume that there was more work involved and more fabric needed to get that beautiful result. And it is the same here with upholstery. More fabric is going to be needed and therefore wasted to match that pattern repeat beautifully. The other thing that I would say wrapping up this tip is that a good upholsterer will take your fabric scraps and um, if you ask them to, they can turn them into cushions. Um, And that will actually help you save a lot of the excess fabric and a lot of that wastage that didn't make the cut, so to speak, onto that upholstered piece. It's a really great way to tie in um, some of that wasted fabric in other areas of your home. And it, it just kind of ties the design together as well. So definitely you can ask your upholsterer to have in mind 
the use of if they are doing certain cuts that have to be wasted? Is there a way that they can create the wastage such that cushions or um or or throw pillows could be used to create something out of that waste? My top tip number seven, now that I've given you guys all these warnings and things, have fun with it. There are so many amazing fun, stylistic decisions that you can make when it comes to reupholstering a piece. One of my very favorite upholstery tricks is actually to choose a couple of different um, either uh, fabrics or leather choices for a single piece. So don't think that just because you found a fabric that you like, that you have to use that fabric throughout. One of my favorite things to do is actually to take uh, upholstered dining chairs and reupholster them in a couple of different fabrics. So on the outside of the chair, I might put something that's a beautiful, gorgeous pattern so that when all the chairs are tucked in, you can you can see this gorgeous pattern. It creates a gorgeous design. And then on the inside of the chair, so the, 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 sit, the part of the chair that you put your back on and then the seat cushion would be done in a leather or a high-performance fabric that's either a contrast or maybe it's one of the colors that's within that larger pattern. And that's just a really fun way to kind of think outside the box a little bit when you're thinking about reupholstery. And it's also another way that you know that you can buy a piece or you can have a piece recovered and know that no one else is going to have anything like it. So another thing that you could consider is doing your sofa and doing just your seat cushions in a really cool fabric and then contrast the rest of the piece in something else. Or maybe it's the back of that sofa that you know you can see from everywhere in the room. That has a funky print on it. But then the part of the sofa that you're sitting on has a little bit more robust fabric to it. So again, you can work these things in combination. You don't have to think, well, I love this pattern, but it's not going to hold up to every part of the piece. You can think about how do I put that fabric in the parts of that chair that are not going to be interacted with as much. So think about it in that regard. And at the end of the day, if you find a piece of fabric that you absolutely love and you know it's not fit for purpose for that large sofa, have your upholsterer do some really fun cushions in that fabric that maybe wouldn't be fit for purpose on the whole sofa, but would look amazing on a throw pillow. So really, again, guys, think outside the box on this. This is your opportunity to have a lot of fun and to make your mark in your own home. So have fun with it. The last tip for you guys today, top tip number eight is to work the COM. And COM in the industry stands for customer's own material. And similarly, COL customer's own leather. It's a little bit different process here than working with an upholsterer specifically, but most high-end furniture vendors will give their clients the option of providing their own fabric for the upholstery process. So when you are procuring something that is going to be made for you and it's going to have an eight-week lead time or a 12-week lead time on it, and by lead time, what I mean is Literally, how long is it going to take for you to get that piece in your house, right? So a lot of pieces that are that come from high-end retailers have lead times, have an 8 to 12-week lead time. And that's because they don't just have these pieces sitting in a warehouse. They are made for you at the time of order. And they will give clients and customers the option to provide their own fabric, their own material, hence COM, customer's own material. Now, in this instance, 
all of my previous tips still apply here. You would still want to take on the exact same considerations um, as you would. But instead of, like I was saying, working with your upholsterer to determine how much fabric you're going to need to send to that vendor's workroom, instead you'll work with your sales rep and that sales rep will indicate to you how much fabric should be needed for that piece. Again, still send them all that information, but just know that if you are thinking about purchasing a higher end sofa or ottoman or or chair, many times you will have that option to provide your own material to that vendor and then they will ship it out to their workroom in Italy or France or wherever it might be to make that sofa or chair or, or whatever with your own fabric. So that's something to consider too. Now, of course, it's a little bit different than working with your upholsterer. In my estimation, you don't quite get that, you know, luxurious experience of, of working with an artisan. But bear in mind, it is a wonderful solution too if you are not upholstering something that you already have that's in your home, if you're, if you're buying that piece, um, as it were, from a showroom, and then they are going to customize it for you. But the point I suppose I really want to drive home for you all here is when you are creating a bespoke piece such as this, What you are doing is creating an experience that cannot be bought off the store floor. You're creating a bespoke piece for yourself that no one's going to have. And it really, I think, in this era of buying everything in an afternoon, outfitting your entire space in an afternoon, this is such a wonderful way to really lend that sense of experience into this whole design process. Because really, guys, that's what half of interior design is about anyway. It's not simply about outfitting your space. It is about the experience and the collection and everything that goes along with it. So let's do a very quick recap of these top eight tips, and then I will love you and Olivia for this week, guys. Top tip number one, consider how and where the piece is going to be used Think about who's going to be sitting there. How often are you going to sit in that chair? Are there going to be pets involved? Think of how you're going to use that chair before you even think about looking at that fabric. Top tip number two, make sure your materials are fit for purpose. I'm talking the bolt width needs to be upholstery grade. And I'm talking that fabric, it should pass the rub tests, guys. Top tip number three, Definitely, definitely choose a high-performance fabric for high-traffic areas, for pet-friendly areas, for indoor-outdoor spaces. This is so important. Don't skip this step if you are at all concerned about the longevity of that piece. And remember that sometimes your best material here might be leather. It's gorgeous. It's masculine. It patinas. Don't get me started. Love it. I love leather. Top tip number four, consider the shape of the piece as well as the existing fabric. Look at what that existing fabric has on it and, and think about why Think about why that fabric is the way it is. Does that fabric need to be railroaded? Do you have certain limitations here when it comes to upholstering that piece? Top tip number five, always get a swatch or a memo. I cannot stress this enough, guys. So take the time to order in samples of the fabric and make sure it looks beautiful in your space and with the rest of your surroundings. Top tip number six, always work with a vetted upholsterer and trust them. If you cannot trust your upholsterer, this is not going to be a fun process, guys. Like Excel said in episode five, go on recommendation from who your friends are using. I would check Instagram. I'd look at their workroom. 
definitely take the time to vet that upholsterer and make sure you have a good rapport and communication with them. Top tip number seven, have a bit of fun. Get creative. Think about how you could use the fabric in a way that might not be expected and think about maybe using a couple of different fabric choices depending upon how the piece is structured and what could be really fun and inventive. So again, think about that dining room chair example, two fabrics, one on the outside, one on the inside. And top tip number eight, when you're sourcing a new piece, especially if you're sourcing one from a very high-end vendor, more likely than not, they will give you the option for COM or COL, customer's own material, customer's own leather. Work closely with your sales rep and make sure they answer all your questions. Make sure you answer all their questions. And before you know it, you will have a gorgeous newly upholstered piece in your house. That is it for episode six, guys. I hope this has been a wonderful and informative way to show you guys that you really can do so much with your space with upholstery. Head to the show notes for some visuals of these details and you can also download your upholstery fabric cheat sheet and my full resource list at atelierreed.com slash upholstery. And the show notes link is atelierreed.com slash zero six because this is episode six. And if you are totally lost here and need some help on all of this, sourcing fabric, finding an upholsterer, any of this, hit me up, guys. I love this stuff. I would love to guide you through this. It is one of my absolute favorite parts of the design process. So don't be shy. You can hit me up at my website. All my contact details are there. Till next week, guys. Stay classy. See you for episode seven. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Arrived. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and your space is feeling a little more like a crash pad than a home, not to worry. I'm here for you, gents. Join me over at atelierreed.com slash arrived to work with me one-to-one on a design action plan to help you bring your A-game home. That's A-T-E-L-I-E-R-W-R-E-D-E dot com slash arrived. So what are you waiting for? Let's do this. I'll see you next time, guys. Have a great week.